Wow. and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and as always, we're joined by top London radio DJ, certified Japanophile, and now super Mr. Worldwide Travelling Man, Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing? Hey, not too bad, Chris. How good of you to join us after my <laughs> terrible bit of diary management last week. Apologies for that. We got there in the end, though, didn't we? Pretty good excuse, though. <laughs> You had a good excuse. You were in Japan and Korea. This year, you've, you've travelled a fair bit. We've, yeah. You've been to Italy, America, the Isle of Wight, uh, and now Korea and Japan. Well, the, How do you find the time to travel so much well, in between well, the Isle doing of all the other things that you do? <laughs> the Isle of Wight is obviously uh, a huge schlep for uh, people in London. Uh, a, whole, a whole three hours from, uh, from Waterloo. Uh, but no, I've also been to uh, Lisbon. There's talk of me going to Zimbabwe just before I go out to come and see you in uh, in October. There's talk of that apparently i'm a man who just never stops to be quite frank yeah i mean how do you i don't know how you keep up with it all mr <laughs> pitbull worldwide it's mr. Worldwide. worldwide why are they called pitbull i've never worked that out by the way why are they called pitbull mr worldwide <laughs> i don't know but i am a little bit obsessed with that man actually, find out actually bring that knowledge to the next week's po- for an podcast. old for an old bald japanese man i was in a a, a bar once um well it was more of a club i guess because people are dancing about and he was um he basically turned up with some aviator sun sh- sunshades on sunglasses on uh, this bald japanese right. bloke and he was wearing a full suit, full shiny silver suit, and he looked not unlike Pitbull. Um, and so people actually were coming up to him, getting their pictures taken with him. But he was just some old Japanese dude with a baldy head who, you know, happened to re- oh you know, represent everything that is Pitbull. <laughs> How did he take this? How did he handle this? Oh no, this I, oh, bizarre situation mate, for he a was go- guy to be in. He was going for that look. He was going for that look he all was day, it up. all day. You wouldn't dress like lapping that in, for any other reason, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all part of his master plan. Massive. Uh, but of course, this month, last month, both of us went. Both of us went to Korea for the first time ever. Mm. I've lived near South Korea for six years, and I've always wanted to go over. I just hadn't had the time. And I don't know if I mentioned to you, but. Before moving to Japan, I even had a job offer there in Korea, and I very nearly went there if mm. I didn't get on the uh, Japan Exchange teaching program here. But I did get that job, and I had to ring them up and turn down, turn down my my life in Korea. And ever since then, I've always wondered, you know, what would it have been like mm. had I gone there instead? You know, would I even do- have done YouTube? I don't don't know. So when I was over there, I felt like. It was all kind of weird. I was looking at everything, thinking, "Wow, that could have been me if I'd done things differently. I could have been here eating a barbecue. I could have been there <laughs> sitting under that tree." Like it was all rather weird. And I kind of, as I mentioned in last week's podcast, I treated it like a bit of a Darwinian experiment. I went around clutching uh, uh, my phone, just typing in things that I noticed the whole way. And yeah. so today, I'm going to run them past you, seeing as you've just got back from there. And I thought we'd, uh, you know, have a little discussion, see. Uh, how we how we felt about career and uh, pick up some observations and especially compare it to Japan because I actually found that it was a lot more it was a lot more different 
to Japan mm. than I initially anticipated it to be. I mean, what do you think? How do you feel about it all? Considering from, uh, I think, from Busan to Fukuoka, it's like a 45, 40-minute mm. um, plane journey. It's not long at all. Bearing in mind, I started in Seoul, did a weekend in Seoul, and then uh, flew straight to Jeju, um, spent a little time in uh, Busan, then then flew over to uh, Fukuoka for the second weekend. And basically, the two nightlifes I experienced were Fukuoka and also Jeju as well. Sorry, uh, Jeju and also right. um, Seoul as well. I don't, what is, so Jeju Island's right in the middle of Japan and Korea, right? No, so... Uh, that's the uh, contested you, island. No, 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 no. That's, uh, these are like the... No, but the contested island, um, uh, when it comes to um, propaganda, or oh, the, the train out from the airport into the middle of Seoul, that's, they have like their rotating sort of news services. Do you see that? That kind of like just going on about, these it. are our islands, the disputed <laughs> islands are our islands. It's like, this is some very early propaganda, guys. I'm not sure I could do with this. I'm very jet-lagged. Yeah, it was pretty awkward. I mean, I know Korea and Japan are at each other's throats for decades about the islands, but I've never seen anything brought up Mm. in Japan about it, really. Maybe occasionally the news. But yeah, on the train, straight out the airport, it was like... (laughs) There was TV screens on the train that was like, these are our islands, these leave are them alone. And, and there, look, are, there are Japan, look at this really bit, kind of awkward. Look at this whole bit of writing. <laughs> it says, look, 10th century, it's ours. Well, China's kind of, but it's ours. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely in your face, it really is. And that took me by surprise. It did take me by surprise. You, you kind of forget how... Um, uh, that side of the world, um, how much they see Japan as aggressors. Uh, because maybe in the West we, you know, we have a certain perception of Japan as kind of, you know, mm. uh, visionaries when it comes to technology and, you know, uh, anime and all that stuff. So we kind of consume that sort of stuff, but we don't sort of see them as historical aggressors when it comes to um, political mm. uh, political kind of invasions and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I mean, they have done some uh, things in the past that they're probably not even uh, proud of in, in the year of 2018 but uh, you, you forget that uh, we have a very different perception to, to, to them and certainly you're not going to hear much about Absolutely. it when you're in Japan in the first place It's completely drummed into students in Korea mm. and uh, China you know as it, I guess it should be to some extent you know it's always good to remind yourself of certain things Yeah, definitely um, but sometimes it goes a bit overboard but uh, that's, that's a story for another day <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in another podcast that's going to be a heavy one getting all political <laughs> we'll do the comfort uh, with this one is going to be a lot more light-hearted obviously uh we both went there for only a, a short time yeah. i was in uh, seoul the whole time for about a week uh but it's still enough time to be able to make observations but if you're listening to this and you live in korea feel free to shout at us afterwards uh if we got something wrong or if you disagree with us drop us a line at uh, abroad japan podcast at gmail.com uh but what i'll do now we've got i've got 10 things 10 things that i noticed were different um 10 observations mm. i made about korea versus japan i'll run them past you Pete. you can either agree or disagree and we'll see where we go all right are you ready I am ready. Have you got your coffee? I've got my coffee. I've had my coffee. I've got my Picari sweat. Oh, ready. oh, my words. Uh, before we get oh. into it... Oh, God. Uh, I'd, when I was in uh, Fukuoka... Yes. Actually, when I was in Fukuoka and also uh, when, I was in, um, when I was in Korea, um, I drank mm. a lot of Kalpis. Drank a lot of Kalpis and then I was you in... disgusting... <laughs> You disgust me. A lot of calpis. It's so refreshing uh, and yogurty. Um, and when I got back, I realised uh, I was in one of the um, Japanese shops buying a bit of cheap sushi, and um, I realised that you could buy mm. calpis concentrate. Uh, 
that makes up to six litres really? per bottle. It's like Calpit, it's just Calpit, but it's concentrated. Obviously, uh, the, oh. the logistics of, um, you know, importing bottle after bottle of that uh, is a little bit difficult. So you get Picari sweat in um, packets uh, of, of the powder, and you also get um, right, yeah. really concentrated uh, bottles of uh, Calpit. So you can make litres upon litres of Calpit at the touch of a tap. It's brilliant. For- for listeners who are confused and potentially disgusted <laughs> by Pete's comments about Calpis, Calpis is, of course, a yoghurt-based drink here in Japan. Very popular. Mm. Quite nice, I suppose. Delicious. You, you seem to love it, Pete. Uh, yeah. And you've it, got it, your, I, your year-long supply now. I, 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 I must admit, Chris, I didn't indulge because I was like, I'm on, a, I'm on a bit of a health kick at the moment. And I'm like, I'm not, I can't indulge in that because that will make me very ill. Because I'll, I'll just be drinking it straight from the bottle. I'll be drinking the concentrate. I'll be putting it in my f- in instead of fabric softener, calpis. so my so my clothes would smell of <laughs> delicious delicious calpis. Did you did you try while you're in Korea? Did you try makori, the kind of fermented uh, sake kind of drink? Oh no, I didn't. Uh, actually. Rice wine makori. No, no, it's the drink of Korea. Ah, um, it's really nice. Mm. Absolutely, it tastes it tastes like alcoholic calpis to be honest. <laughs> okay, um, but while I was over there, I tipped a, like a, on a night out. I tipped a whole bottle over my friend. <laughs> and <laughs> it was probably something you shouldn't do. And it destroyed not only his clothes, but mine, because it splashed all over my clothes. And uh, I left them in the room overnight. And then the bloody fermented yogurt-based sucky drink ruined my clothes. It just stained them, and we had to just chuck them all away. Oh, no. Um, but we did that on a night out. And my first observation about Seoul is that it is a 24-hour city in a way that not even Tokyo is. Um, I mean... When I went out in Seoul, we could go into a restaurant at 11pm. We'd go into a barbecue restaurant and it'd be completely open until 4 or 5am. Mm. And I've never... I've, it's quite hard to come by that in Japan. All restaurants start to close around 10pm, 11pm, uh, with some exceptions. But it felt like even walking down the street in Seoul uh, at like midnight, it's all still buzzing. There's people out in the park just sitting there drinking, playing guitar. It felt very vibrant and exciting and I was kind of envious. It was kind of... A very exciting atmosphere that I feel that to- even Tokyo does lack to some extent. Uh, I don't know if you felt how you felt about that. Yeah, I completely agree, to be honest. It was one of those situations where I had the most delicious meal I, ha- I had on the holiday. Uh, possibly because I was drunk, I don't know. But it was um, I had the most delicious <laughs> octopus I'd ever eaten uh, in, a, in a restaurant that was open. I think I was eating it at like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, this is the most delicious thing I've right. ever eaten. It was, so del- it was so lovely. It wasn't like... An octopus? It was, it was, it was just an octopus laid out, um, chopped up uh, into rings, and uh, just loads... Of of delicious kind of spices and it had been grilled to perfection and oh my word Were I was they even expecting. battered? No, no, they weren't. That's that was the thing. I, I weren't I wasn't Good even Lord. Surpri- I wasn't surprised. I wasn't I was so surprised how delicious this octopus was because it was just in these in these rings and um and my mate had a, a, a full fried chicken, like a little chicken that they'd fried, <laughs> deep fried and just <laughs> oh ate a lot of fried God. chicken. It was all very weird. The best thing I had was I mean there's barbecue restaurants I think mm. one in three restaurants in Seoul is like a a barbecue restaurant right <laughs> and the best thing I had we had this barbecue and the you kind of sit around the table big barbecue in the centre and we had it was kind of like a cheese fondue mm. kind of style thing they put massive lumps of cheese in really good cheese as well it was like cheddar cheese or something uh, until we had this big kind of pot of melted cheese, and then we just stuck in kind of spicy pork and beef and things, and it was amazing. It was mm. absolutely incredible. It was a revelation, even though it was just a cheese fondue. But <laughs> that was amazing. All the barbecues I had were just incredible. Um, these 
big juicy cuts of meat, really fresh, um, and you can just do it all night long. Mm. I absolutely love that. So that was my first point. Seoul being a 24-hour city, uh, it felt 24 hours in a way that not even Tokyo is. Yeah. Uh, second point, nightlife in Seoul in general, it just felt a lot more familiar. Um, for example, in Japan, right, you've got streets lined with snack bars and hostess bars. Uh, everything kind of happens behind closed doors. Yeah. Even in restaurants, they're kind of tucked away. There aren't many windows. You can't really see in uh, in izakayas or uh, bars. They're all kind of locked away and hidden away. Whereas when I was walking down the streets in, like, Gangnam District, mm. made famous, of course, by uh, that bloody Gangnam song from years ago. I can't remember it now. Gangnam Style mm. by Psy. I kept... Li- I- I only heard it once while I was there. I was expecting <laughs> to hear it a lot more. Um, but while I was walking down the street in Gangnam, there's just like loads of bars and restaurants, and they're literally pouring out onto the street. You know, people sitting outside, tables and chairs in the street, mm. uh, and that's just so rare and unheard of in Japan. That's the one thing I miss the most about nightlife in just in general. Like in Japan, everything happens behind closed doors. Yeah. In Korea, it felt a lot more familiar. Uh, there weren't half as many snack bars. I couldn't really see any hostess bars. I'm sure they're there. But it just felt like the kind of nightlife we have in Europe and North America. And it reminded me that Japan is kind of unique in that regard. Japan feels a little bit inaccessible at times with its bars and its izakayas and hostess culture. Mm. Um, and obviously smoking indoors is banned as well in Korea. Unlike yeah, Japan. That was the thing you that, open that the door was... to an izakaya and it's like walking into an oven or something. There's smoke everywhere. But... Uh, yeah, it felt nightlife felt a lot more familiar in Korea. Massively, and I think um, I mean I think the areas that we stayed in. I think I was around like the Hongik University. That's where we stayed um, the first time, mm. uh, and then uh, when we came back for the final Sunday, we were out in Itaewon. Now uh, around the university, a lot yes. of young people uh, are around, and there's actually a limit. You can't be over thirty, I think, uh, to get into some of the um, clubs. Which I found quite no fascinating. Way. I mean, I didn't try and get into any, but that, that, that's what the bouncers were saying, basically. Um, which I found fascinating. So you would have been, you would have been, so would have been too, old, too old for the... I mean, I am too old for clubs, <laughs> let's make that very clear. Uh, but we did manage to find like an indie club that, uh, that played some good music uh, around Hong Kong University. Uh, I probably, we probably would have been better off uh, being around Itaewon sort of thing, which you know, seemed to be a bit more, a bit more happening, a, bit more, um, a little less kind of um, childish thing. And also Gangnam as well. Obviously, Gangnam has a, a reputation for uh, great suits and... Uh, some fantastic, uh, um, very rich people go to Gangnam, I think. So you and plastic clearly, surgery. And plastic surgery, yeah. And that was the weird thing. Like, on the last night, we stayed in a hotel in, uh, in not in Gangnam, in, in um, not even in Hongdae, in Itaewon. And uh, it was a really nice hotel, and we were like, oh, wow, let's, um, there's, a, there's, a roof, there's a roof pool. I was like, that's pretty cool. Let's, let's go mm-hmm. and enjoy the pool. Because, I mean, we'll go on to it, uh, uh, Chris, but I never want to be in your country uh, during August or July again. It was unspeakable in Japan <laughs> and unspeakable in Korea, My but country. at least in Korea, at least in Korea, the uh, air conditioning was that, just that little bit stronger. Just that little bit stronger. Mm. Uh, I don't know what it is about Japan. Their, their, their air conditioning isn't quite as all-encompassing. But in Korea, for some reason in Seoul, every time you walked yeah. into, a, into a, um, a room, the air conditioning would knock your socks off. It was so strong. I don't know what the power consumption is um, <laughs> in Seoul, but my goodness, it must we, be something else. We had a, the same thing. in the. Uh, so I stayed in a hotel and an Airbnb. Mm. I stayed in a hotel in Gangnam and Airbnb in Hongdae. Yeah. Uh, and I preferred Hongdae for nightlife mm. in general. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And the Taiwan was cool. But we, we in our Airbnb, we had this air conditioning unit the size of a fridge. And it was absolutely massive. It was like one big, 
uh, one big fridge-sized aircon, and you'd stand in front of it, and it would just knock you off your feet, and it yeah. was glorious. Oh, it's, it's it absolutely lovely. glorious. I spent I spent a lot of uh, like, time indoors just sleeping um, <laughs> in the hotel. Cause it was <laughs> what just, a way to spend your holiday on the other I side mean, of the world. We went all the way around sleeping. the other side of the world just having a... a and, and we just spent so much time sleeping, and... and we, at the end of the holiday, we were like, we shouldn't have slept so much. But then I was like, you know what? Holidays are all about <laughs> relaxing. Sod it. It was too hot True. to do anything. A lot of the stuff was outside. As I said, going onto the hotel roof to, the, to, the, to this bloody swimming pool, we got out there and it was like a scene from, you know, those um, TV shows on MTV back in the day. They were like um, mm. MTV kind of summer break, spring break sort of uh, shows where they'd just be really yeah, good looking yeah. people with incredible bodies um, just kind of like dancing. Um, that was basically what this kind of thing was just like these incredibly uh, <laughs> cut young men with like crazy muscles it didn't look like they'd eaten anything for a little while they just spent all their time eating creatine powder and, and working out um and my, my, my me and my mate like you know i, I was all right but um my mate is um very scottish he's from aberdeen um so he did not take his right. top off at any point and that was another one uh, weird thing at the pool at the Eastern pool and also yeah. yeah massively uh at the pool and also in um in jeju on the beach uh where we got our rubber rings and floated around and it bobbed around in uh, jeju's uh, one of jeju's fantastic beaches beautiful part of the world apparently between seoul and jeju it's mm. the busiest air corridor in the world between seoul and jeju that's yeah i heard more, that more. yesterday yeah, yeah um i had and, no idea and um so we went out there to the to the beach no Nobody takes their top off. Nobody wants a tan. So everyone's wearing these kind of like yes. burkini sort of jobs, I suppose. Uh, and because nobody wants a tan, basically. It's really interesting. We have that in Japan, though. Mm. I think, uh, well, I, d- I don't know if it's for the same reason, but uh, you find bikinis are quite rare in general. Mm. I think it's the same reason. I think, as I mentioned a few podcasts ago, people here don't really like tans. It's seen mm. as a, a bad thing because historically, like the peasant class were out mm. working the fields, getting a suntan, so it's kind of it's a got a negative it, attachment yeah. to it. Mm. Could be the same reason. But uh, you told me that you didn't get in time. You told me you were completely out of sync with Korean time. The whole time you were there, you were on running on British time. Oh, Is that massively, true? yeah. I was on British summer time. It was, it was crazy. I was just like... I came back and I didn't have any jet lag. Now, that's, as you well know, Chris, that is so rare. I went straight back to work, um, slept a pretty full night uh, the night after, and just felt great the, the, the week after. So uh, I didn't experience much jet lag at all, really. Um, and that can only be down to the fact that I never really changed time zones, to be honest, because we just, you know, you're on holiday. So, uh, when you're on holiday, all bets are off, I think. <laughs> but I won't be doing that in October. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. The tip to overcoming jet lag, just don't even try don't to even sync try. up with the local time of the country <laughs> you're visiting. Um, third point I, I noticed was customer service in Korea wasn't quite on par with Japan. Now, to be fair, Japan is obscenely, like to an obscene level. The fact, you know, I told you about the time that I got my phone and the staff went on their knees before me and I felt like some sort of king just by getting an iPhone. It was, it was <laughs> wonderful. But customer service in Japan is legendary. Uh, and I did have some problems in Korea, actually. Um, for example, we tried to pull over a taxi, and we pulled over a taxi, and we said where we wanted to go, and the taxi driver just sort of said, no, because it was in within like a 10 or 15-minute radius. Yeah. Whereas in Japan, you can go like 100 metres down to the end of the road, and they'll stop for you, mm. even if it does inconvenience them and annoy them and waste their time. So that was kind of annoying. We had troubles just getting a taxi driver. And then when we did get a taxi, the driver was an absolute maniac. It was like being <laughs> strapped to a bloody rocket, going through the streets of Hongdae, weaving in and out of lorries at lightning speed. It was absolutely terrifying. And after that, I didn't want to get in a bloody Korean taxi ever again anyway. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, when, when we went into um, some restaurants as well, a lot of the staff kind of sort of grunted and looked a bit displeased that we were there sometimes. Um, I don't know if you found, but it seems nobody, very rarely, anybody spoke English in South Korea, which is fair enough. You know, again, it's quite a homogenous country, homogenous culture. But uh, yeah, I really didn't find anybody who spoke any English while we were there or made any uh, attempts to speak English. Now, that's fair enough. I don't like being the arrogant British traveller. We're known for going around the world going, oh, why don't you speak English? But to some extent, it was it was a bit of a surprise. Like, the woman, rather than trying to say anything in English, she just repeated the same phrase over and over when we were trying to understand what was on the menu, which, again, wasn't in English. Mm. Uh, and to the point, she got quite angry. So the language barrier felt like it was a, a major issue. Um, but yeah, customer service, I found, wasn't quite as good as Japan. And mm. it was a bit of a mixed bag. How do you find it? I think it's two sides of the same coin, whereas um, the Japanese, uh, like you said, when they don't speak English, they'll they'll feel like it's somehow um, shameful that they're not able to uh, communicate in your language, which is ridiculous because, you know, English is ubiquitous, but um, there's no reason why anyone should speak mm. a foreign language, uh, especially that far away from uh, the, the the epicentre of where it all, it's all spoken. Uh, and also, you got to remember, yeah. I think, with, with South Korea... They've been an occupied country for a lot for you know the best part of forty years, so they probably had quite enough of uh, of English speaking, uh, you know, rude English speaking people. Yeah. And and, and I, I just spent a lot of time just pointing at stuff and going, "I'll just have that," and whatever comes comes. Uh, so I spent a lot of time. Uh, I was fine with it in the main. My mate Craig isn't quite as uh, adventurous an eater as me, so he was just eating a lot of rice or whatever came with the big kind of like hot pot. We'd had this big hot pot that had this big um, fish like kind of in sections uh, in it, and it was really mm. nice there's bits of tofu and bits of fish and it was delicious and the, and the sides pickles and and bits of uh, kimchi and stuff were delicious uh, we went to this market one of the more famous markets where you where you go for lunch or breakfast uh, and i started my first meal in in uh, korea was uh, blood sausage uh which oh God, is a bit like I had that. it's it's a bit like oh. I mean, it's, it's just black pudding isn't it but instead of oats uh, to keep the uh, the texture of the of the meal they just use rice. It's horrible. Uh, so it's, it's, I, I quite liked it, to be honest. It, it was pretty good. It's I mean, the it, worst it, thing I've had in like a year. Really? It's so horrible. I've eaten locust this year <laughs> and like horrible fish from the sea that I don't even know what they're called. And that blood sausage outstripped them all in terms of horrificness. Well, they, they, they've got... Oh, my big, God. They've got a big... No. Uh, they like to... Um, they like to give you like uh, most of those shops in the market. They'll have a little tank, and they'll have an octopus, and they'll pull it. This little baby octopus, and they'll pull it out, and they'll and if you want a live octopus, they'll chop it up. You know, like um, old boy. I think it kind of uh, it became famous to the to westerners. Yes, you do, they just get an octopus and slice it up with a with a pair of scissors, and you just eat it as it wriggles around in your in your mouth, and it, you know oh. it's, it's not. A, I can't imagine that's a very pleasant sensation, and not something I'll be doing. When you see something like that, that's not adventurous. That's just just needless cruelty. To be honest, watch, you know, having a, having an octopus um, writhe around in your mouth. But that seemed quite popular in in, in the area. But you know, um, the food was uh, top notch um, when you could figure out what the hell was going on. Um, I th- again, I think even even the chain restaurants or the ones that were aspiring to be chain restaurant chain restaurants um, that did classical kind of um, Seoul and uh, mm. and South Korean food. I think they were really, really good at times. I, I, it was so hot, to be honest, Chris. I didn't eat that much food compared to <laughs> normal. I ate a lot of ice creams. You know I'm a big fan of the uh, Japanese ice cream Coolish. Well, we'll get onto that later, no doubt. So I had a couple of Coolishes in uh, Fukuoka in Japan, but while I was in Korea, there was well, quite a... You sent me a picture, didn't you? Mm, like a lemonade version. You sent me oh, a picture so online. Nice. 
so of your nice. with your giant coolish. <laughs> it was an extra. But the one big photo I got from uh, from Pete Donaldson, ladies and gentlemen, is of a squeezy ice cream. <laughs> it was an extra a big squeezy handheld ice cream. It was and extra, that was it. That it was, was all the photos delicious. I got from your trip. It was lovely. Um, but uh, there are some derivatives, kind of melon flavored, kind of coolish that you get in uh, Korea, which is just something else, Chris. It really was lovely. Every, I don't think there's been a single podcast we've escaped a discussion around your love of coolish. Because it's be delicious, honest, that's so why. I'm glad how we managed to fit it into this one as well. Uh, but <laughs> what you said a minute ago about chain restaurants, I felt, and this is, this is point number four, mm-hmm. uh, I felt that Seoul actually had less chain restaurants than in Japan. For example, in Japan, every street is one of the four major coffee shops or mm. one of the three major convenience stores. Um, and it's great for convenience, right? If you've got a Seven Eleven on every street or a Dotor coffee or a Cafe Veloce coffee shop, mm. you know what to expect, right? And, and it's great convenience-wise, but it means streets and towns are a little bit repetitive. Mm. And Seoul seemed to have a bit more diversity in terms of coffee shops and restaurants. Yes, there was a Starbucks on every street, I noticed, but in general, it felt like there was a bit more diversity, a, a quite, a bit more, uh, quite a lot more independent places. Now, that's quite a weird observation, I suppose. I, th- I don't know if it's even a good observation, but it's just something I noticed, and I felt like it was worth writing down in my iPhone. <laughs> I think, um, in many ways, I think that kind of plays into the um, ethnic diversity as well. Um, I had a couple. Of, I had a kebab in, uh, in, in, uh, on my last day in day one. I think I saw one McDonald's in Seoul. Now, that is rare in any major city. One <laughs> yeah, McDonald's. Yeah, I noticed that, actually. No McDonald's at all. Probably saw more KFCs, yeah. if anything. It was quite a good thing, actually. It was mm. nice to be somewhere where there's not McDonald's pasted everywhere. Uh, yeah, I noticed that actually. I was surprised I left out my notes. And again, and again, like, that was good. And again, like, there's a lot of. Um, it reminded me a little bit more, like, of China because there was a bit more. Um, uh, intellectual property was not necessarily respected uh, as much as it is elsewhere, perhaps. So you'd get like what did you find? Rip off, like rip-off shops. You know what I mean? That are just clearly a copy of another of mm. another Western brand. I mean, I I stupidly I think I was wearing trousers mm. on my first day in Seoul, and it was like thirty five degrees. So oh, my first crazy. stop was to dive into H and M and actually buy some shorts. <laughs> Thank goodness for H and M. Yeah, a miracle. Um, <laughs> Sweet chocolate. Wow. But what you just said there, the high street being reliable, goes in nicely to my next point, which is Japan feels more reliable. I could have phrased that better. <laughs> um, but I felt like a few things didn't quite work. Um, I think Japan's given me really high expectations for things to just work, you know. Easy example, train ticket machines work beautifully here. In in the UK, they don't. I remember the ticket machine... I put my ticket in the machine in the UK and the train machine still doesn't open. Mm. Or... In the UK, things get stuck in the vending machine. That's never happened to me once in Japan. But no. things just work here. In Korea, I had a few experiences that weren't that great. Um, worst of all, I suppose, my credit card got sucked into a machine and disappeared forever. Oh, no. And that was kind of crap. The only the good news is it was in an ATM that was kind of next to a bank. And so I went in the bank and sort of shouted, credit card gone, about four times. And one of the staff came over, worked out what I was saying, and uh, helped me recover it by, like, bursting open the ATM and pulling it out, which took, like, half an hour. But, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a kind of scary experience. I also noticed nearly every public toilet has no toilet roll. I didn't don't know why that is. Um, <laughs> I, I was later told that in, in Korea, a lot of people carry toilet roll with them in ah. case they need to use public toilets that kind of annoyed me and then there was karaoke we went to karaoke Mm. and it started off looking quite like Japanese karaoke you know when you go into a 
a booth. You get mm. your own private booth. You go in there with a few friends. Uh, and then the touch, you get a touch screen thing that you type in the songs you want to you wanna do. And the touch screen didn't seem to work. And a lot of the time we couldn't input any music. So we'd sing a song and then we'd wait 20 minutes to try and get the machine working again. And then we'd listen to another song uh, and then the machine <laughs> would break again. Uh, so my experience with karaoke in Korea wasn't great either. So in general, I felt like Korea hasn't got that reliability factor compared to Japan. Any experiences like that? Anything? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I briefly used a karaoke machine simply because uh, it was Jeju. It was like a Tuesday night. We went out for a couple of beers and um, we popped into one place, obviously on Google Maps. Um, and it was just... <laughs> it really made me laugh because we got ushered into this room. We just thought it was a normal bar. We were just going to sit at the bar and have a couple of beers. Mm. Uh, but we got ushered into this room and we realised uh, quickly uh, that uh, it was a non-English-speaking um, karaoke bar. Now, we hadn't had a drink. Oh, God. So going into karaoke called, we ain't going to be starting singing karaoke. So we just sat in this room, had a couple of uh, cas, uh, which is the local uh, <laughs> lager, and then uh, left, basically. just Tastes good. You know, but it was, it, again, nice and cheap, though. I think we were in there for about... We are in the karaoke booth, effectively. We could have been singing karaoke, uh, and we had a couple of beers into the bargain, and it only cost us, like, 15 quid. So it was very cheap nice. for the rental of a, of a karaoke bar. But, yeah, it looked... Um, the machines looked a little um, simpler and a little less uh, refined, and a little just they just looked like they had been serviced for a little while. Same with the darts as well. I played a lot of darts out there. Whenever I go um, to Japan, I play a lot of darts. <laughs> I do like darts. What a sporty young man you are with your football <laughs> and your darts, definitely and your karaoke. Sounds like you had better luck than we did with karaoke, though. We didn't even. Another big thing was in in Japan, of course, in the karaoke booths, you can order uh, alcohol and food, mm. and that's one of the best things about it. You sit there with your friends for three hours singing. Bon Jovi, which is the only song people seem to sing, uh, and eat and drink and be merry. And there was no such service in this place. And this is quite a prominent um, karaoke place. It mm. wasn't some shady, crappy karaoke boot. It was a really good one. And we couldn't get any food there. And the only alcohol they sold was like Coca-Cola and fizzy pop. And there was no alcohol. And yeah. that kind of, again, ruined it a little bit. But anyway, that's my observation there. I think it's because, I think rather than career not being good. I think it's just because Japan is exceedingly great at uh, not having everything break. You know, everything's really reliable here because Japan is, as I mentioned, a uh, high uncertainty avoidance culture. They don't like uncertainty Mm. here. And hence, everything always works. Yeah, it was like you said, though, there's a lot of people... Um, overemployment is a thing in Japan so I imagine things get serviced a lot uh, I imagine the person who goes around fixing vending machines and darts machines and uh, karaoke machines uh, there's always someone um, able to come around and, and fix your machine uh, one, the other thing I, I realised in uh, Korea though compared to Japan and I did have experiences of both mm. uh, in rapid succession um, just Google Maps <laughs> Google Maps in South Korea maybe it's a, a military thing I don't know but Google Maps in, in South Korea just yeah. they don't work it just doesn't I mean Rubbish. it works to a, it works to a small degree uh, but it can't give you like walking instructions it can't give you dri- mm-hmm. it can't give you some driving instructions and stuff it's a it's a really interesting um, situation there it must be just because they're at war still well, with North Korea and they well, probably I had don't a, want yeah. that. that seems to be the thing that's a good point I mean we I had a similar problem a similar problem I live and die by Google Maps in mm. Japan, even now after six years, uh, to get anywhere. I need Google Maps. Without mm. it, I'm stuffed. And in Seoul, as you say, you can't use it because apparently, uh, for military reasons, if North Korea, God forbid, 
does invade, uh, they might use Google Maps to get around on foot. Mm. So I found um, you, it doesn't give street directions no. on foot, and I think it does work for trains, but it didn't work for on foot, which mm. is kind of a problem. Another thing I found, uh, or I was told, was that in Korea, there, weren't, there wasn't that many... Um, Overpasses, highway overpasses right. in Seoul. And apparently it's because planes need to be able to land on the main roads in Korea. And actually a lot of the lights or something, a lot of the lampposts can be uh, pulled down or ah, something. Uh, so if a jet needs to land in the middle of Seoul, mm. uh, it can, can do that. And that was quite an interesting point. You good, forget... Good luck, the, clear, good luck clearing the, that motorway you know, because people... Cause peop- yeah, you do, <laughs> a, you do forget the situation. I mean, we, we didn't go to the DMZ this, this time, but um, I certainly did mm, the first time I went to Korea. Like, I saw a lot of military uh, equipment sort of being driven around the city every now and again. But again, mm, it, go, mm. about, go about the driving. Um, it's like Russian driving. Like, the, if you get a space, you, if you get a space in the, in the road, just change, change lanes. Change lanes, squeeze in wherever you can, uh, mm, just get mm. to where you need to be sort of thing. So it, I almost kind of look at that as a, as a kind of like yes it's dangerous but my goodness even in rush hour you can get places <laughs> exactly i mean it's I, I didn't i forgot completely about north korea while i was there and i can mm. see why my friends sometimes i speak to my friends who are over there and i say you know how much of an issue is north korea and for the most part people just get on with it right they get yeah, on with their lives yeah. and it's, it seems to be not a thing even though the border's what 50 miles from seoul yeah. completely within range of 10,000 artillery pieces or something mm. absurd. So that was quite cool that that wasn't, didn't feel like it was an issue. Another point I found, and this is a good point in favour of Korea, and that's I didn't feel like I stood out as a foreigner. Now, it's a, a, people always joke about it, right, being in Japan, how you're always complimented for using chopsticks. You can use chopsticks or you can yeah, do this or that. Yeah. And people compliment you <laughs> on being able to eat something like sushi. They're like, wow, you can, you can eat sushi. Wow, you can eat chopsticks. Uh, and sometimes people do stare at you a bit in public transport, which is quite annoying. Um, in Korea, I, through all the people I spoke to while I was there over the course of the week, it never felt like that. I never mm. felt that us and them mentality. Uh, I think that is a big thing in Japan. Japanese people see themselves as slightly different from the rest of the world. There is a sort of wall there. And I felt like that wasn't a thing in Korea. I just felt like I was just a regular person, not a foreigner. Uh, and that felt quite nice. I quite like that that yeah. feeling. And I've had that from a, a good friend of mine who moved to Korea. Says that that's one of the things they love the most about living in Korea. That they don't feel that that kind of separation, that mm. wall between them and the the culture they're they're living in. I expect to see more more foreigners in mm. Seoul itself. Maybe historically they've just got more experience with uh, foreigners. They don't treat you as um, being anything special. So I think. The thing I think we occasionally would get off on, on on in Japan is somebody coming up to talk to you because you're you know you're white effectively or you're you're a, you're a gaijin. Uh, somebody would come and say hello yeah. to you, um, and for someone who doesn't talk uh, to people readily, or you know, I can't. I abhor small talk at the best of times anyway, um, and I, I'll never start <laughs> a conversation with anyone because I'm a big scaredy cat. Um, I quite liked that you know Japanese people will occasionally come up and have a chat with you. It was a little less magical on that side of things, but uh, that's mm, only because mm. of my own pathetic uh, ego that can't just go up and talk to people. <laughs> I don't believe that. You're one of the most chatty people I've ever met. I'm really You not. talk to everyone. You're a man of the people. But nobody, while you were in Korea and Japan, did anybody compliment you on your incredible chopstick skills? Somebody in Japan did, uh, while I was filling out a, uh, a questionnaire about why I was in uh, Fukuoka. 
Uh, well, basically, they, they do it occasionally. <laughs> they, they come over and ask um, foreigners, right. um, "Why are you in? Why are you in Fukuoka? <laughs> oh God, cause, why are you here? Because I need my coolish. Because I, I, I mean, look, I was gonna go <laughs> love." be really sort of like 70s man about it love there's one reason and one reason only I'm in Japan right now and it's ice cream <laughs> because it's interminably hot I mean I'd probably eat it in Sapporo in December but I'm in Fukuoka it's July so my coolish intake has been disgraceful quite frankly <laughs> You should, you should have thrown them off. You should have said something like, I'm looking for a Japanese wife <laughs> and seen what their face did. But I was eating my dinner I'd, at the time. That would be quite amusing, uh, You have very good chopstick skills. I was going, oh, Chris told me that people say that a lot, and they do. <laughs> if, if you come to Japan and nobody compliments your chopstick skills, then something is wrong. Yeah, Fundamentally, maybe your chopstick skills are dre- genuinely dreadful. <laughs> I've got them in my eye. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Um, on the topic of chopsticks the seventh point I've noticed the the dining dining out culture uh, in Korea is wildly different Mm. Uh, I don't know why I put that though I mean, we, I feel like we've discussed that a fair bit already. I've put under that blood sausage, but we've already discussed blood sausage blood and how sausage. awful it is. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I want to go to Korea, don't, for the love of God, eat blood sausage Have or blood sausage. set up your friend and buy them blood <laughs> sausage and then watch their face. Oh, um, only other point I'll add is Korean dining in Korea felt a bit more chaotic and mental. Mm. You'd go into, go into a barbecue, you'd sit around a table that was definitely not big enough for three or four people <laughs> to sit around. Uh, and in the middle, there'd be a, in the in the middle there'd be a big kind of uh, griddle uh, to cook on, and it just they then they bring out a succession of plates with like lettuce and kimchi and mm. sauces until the entire table is just covered and there's no you can't actually see the table because it's covered in so many plates and trinkets, <laughs> um, and then it kind of I've, I felt like I had to spend half the meal just moving things around. So it didn't all just fall on the floor. Um, so it, it did kind of feel quite wild and exciting and chaotic. Japanese dining, on the other hand, feels a bit more refined in that in that regard. It's a bit more artistic and wonderful looking. Whereas yeah. Korea just felt like, here's some food, cook it, eat it, enjoy it, go for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know which I prefer, to be honest. I think, I think I probably prefer Japanese food in general. But I did love Korean food. It was absolutely incredible. I had some amazing dishes there. Um, like I mentioned, the... The cheese with meat. I mean, that's not even a complicated dish, but it's just bloody, <laughs> bloody brilliant. The spices they put on the food and the meat, just it just it's just amazing. They yeah. don't have that much. I think that's the thing. There wasn't in Japan. We don't have that uh, culture of things being heavily spiced or flavoured mm. as as they do in Korea. And I quite like that Korean Korean cuisine in that regard. Mm. It felt like it was a lot more in line with the sort of things we maybe in the West. I don't know. Do but think? I was astounded by the sheer levels of meat they consume in Korea. Like, when you think Asia, you don't really think... Uh, you don't think people really eat that much meat here, historically and culturally. But, again, one in three restaurants is a barbecue restaurant, it seems, in, in Seoul. And when you go there, you'll be blown away by it, I think, as I was. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Well, uh, I, I, comments on dining, I went, Mr. Donaldson? Uh, I went over to Fukuoka, weirdly, and uh, the first meal we had in Fukuoka was a... Uh, we went to uh, some restaurant. It was, quite, it was a nice restaurant, and it was all you could eat um, from the... They had, like, a kind of breakfasty bar kind of thing, like a... a you could just a go over and... Bar. Like a breakfasty bar. That you could go over and just get a whatever you want. So they, had, <laughs> so they had soup and orange juice and all that stuff. But the actual main meal was um, this amazing uh, Wagyu steak um, that you would cook yourself. And it, so it was like a... It was like Japanese ingredients, nice. but Korean food, basically. And it was unbelievably delicious. Like, just so good. 
And again, it was right next to a horse restaurant, and I kind of wanted to try horse again. It yes. was at the end of a very long holiday. And as you well know, Chris, spending more than three days with me is, uh, is quite upsetting. I did have a breakdown on Jeju Island. We went to the beach. Really? Went to the beach. Um, I mean, so there's the, it's really hard to get around uh, if you don't drive in, um, in in Jeju because it's just it's quite a big I still island. Can't believe you, I, I forget you can't drive. <laughs> yeah, no, because I've been a city that. boy all my life. I've never really needed to. I, it's mm. getting to the point where it would probably be quite useful. It would probably be quite useful if I if, if um, popping out of Japan, hire a car, and then just drive where I want. So Kakao is the um, Uber kind of app, um, and the problem is that again they were they were cancelling um, jobs even on the app. They were going, nah, I don't fancy it. Nah, I don't fancy it. Um, oh my god. And, really? and, I, and I was like, and I was like, why do I keep cancelling this trip? It's not. It's like it was a substantial <laughs> journey as well. Uh, that's the thing that got me. And I, but the thing is, I'd eaten this. Um, we got this fried chicken place, and it was like I'd, they had this beautiful, sweet, <laughs> hot sauce. I think you get a lot more. Um, a lot more heat, I think, in 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 Seoul, oh, in, yeah. in on the high street. There's a lot more hot food, um, spicy definitely. food, definitely. Absolutely. And uh, and I was just enjoying this chicken so much, but it was really burning my mouth. But it was so delicious, I had to get to the end of it. Um, and so it was just, I, I just, and I, I finished the meal. I was outside, and I just could not figure out why these taxi drivers were were. Um, and I was just like, Craig, I I'm, I can't do this. I, you know, when you sort of so wound up, you're like, I live here now. I can't get home. I can't get anywhere. <laughs> My mouth is on fire. Um, I, it was almost transcend- transcendental. I was—I just could not see my way around this problem and I just had a bit of a breakdown I was like I can't do this I can't do this Craig and Craig was really surprised because I'm yes. kind of together when it comes to organising stuff oh shall we get over here well we're going to do it this way we got on the train here or get in a taxi here and I can usually sort it out and I'm kind of the leader when it comes to holidays but in this case I think I was just having I had too much sun and had too much heat in my mouth and just uh, I think it was just a bit of sunstroke yeah <laughs> I was like I can't do this I mean, Craig it's the heat <laughs> You, you don't, I mean, that would get to anyone. Those, those three things: the heat, not getting a taxi, being stuffed full of hot sauce is enough to take down the best of us. It's dreadful. So I commend you or not my having hand, a my complete and so utter sticky. mental breakdown. <laughs> Bless. But you're right; those, the spiciness is obscene. Somebody oh. gave me like some pot noodle thing while I was in Seoul, mm. and I was I was arrogant. I was cocky. Surprisingly, thought <laughs> that. and I took these noodles. He was like, "These are going to burn your mouth right out." And I was like, easy, no problem, mate. Stuck them in my mouth, and about six seconds later, my eyes started crying. <laughs> my mouth, it just felt like somebody had tipped a bottle of sulfuric acid in my mouth or something. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> and so I, I had to like run out the, the, the room where we were in this Airbnb place, run down the street <laughs> and grab some... like a carton of milk from the convenience Very store and throw it down my mouth uh, <laughs> with the hope that it would do something. But it didn't really work. And yes, so be bloody careful what you eat in Korea if it's got something red on it. Yeah. Otherwise you'll end up in a lot of pain, as both <laughs> Pete and I did. And... Hopefully you'll avoid a mental breakdown as well. Um, I meant the next point I've got is accommodation. Accommodation mm. in Korea. And this is good. This is a good point. It's a lot cheaper than Japan. Half the price I found um, of a Japanese hotel. I'd stayed in some... I thought it looked like quite a nice hotel on Booking.com. It looked like a converted love hotel when I got there yes. uh, in Gangnam. But it was really nice. It was really cheap. It was super spacious, mm. and it was half the price of what you'd pay in 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 Tokyo. And even the Airbnb was about half the price again for the four or five days that I stayed there. It was half the price of Tokyo. So that was amazing. That was really cool. You could stay in Korea for like a month, and it would be relatively cheap, I think. Um, Hugely. And also taxis when you can get one. 
which both you and I seem to not be able to do. When you do finally get in one, they are, again, about half the price of taxes in Tokyo and Japan as well. Massively. Um, only thing I found out was dining out uh, basically cost the same as Japan. Korea, like Seoul and Tokyo, dining out did cost roughly the same, unless you want to buy some cheap blood sausage, uh, in which case that was a bit cheaper. <laughs> it's quite again, cheap. Why would you ever get blood sausage? <laughs> it was. But yeah, it was, I found it to be cheaper. Yeah, hugely. I, I had like um, we had like two nights. We had a night in a hotel that was like a. It was a decent level of hotel, a little business hotel off just off it one, just off the main stretch, mm. um, and it was so cheap. Like so, it was like forty quid a night per per person. Now for centre of town. Right in the middle of like the party district where everyone wants to be, uh, it was incredibly cheap. Like at the same hotel in, in the centre of London, uh, in the same district, it'd be 150 quid basic, bare minimum, bare minimum. And it was like 40 quid. And uh, that was the one, Hamilton Hotel, I think it was. I can heartily recommend Hamilton Hotel. <laughs> I mean, going and doing anything in London is enough to make your eyes water. Oh, hugely money wise. When we when we went over to yeah. um, when we went over to Fukuoka. Um, I realised how messed up the Airbnb situation is in Japan. Um, almost to the point of being quite untenable. There were very few. Really? There were very few left when we got there. We checked into the uh, Airbnb, uh, and then and it was so. You know what? It was so great to see tatami mats and um, those little mm, those little mm. kind of um, blankets you sort of sleep on. Um, I must have slept better than I slept anywhere in the world. I mean, I would actually recommend, if you have the time, space, or the inclination to make a little rumpus room with tatami mats and uh, and just get, get some of those little beds, because, <laughs> like, it, I, I just sleep better on the floor. Um, I don't know whether it's, like, a back thing well, or what. Too. You're but not alone, I just, I, alone. It's I don't so, know what it is. I was so talking to somebody good. about this yesterday. It's always got nice sleeping pillow. on the floor is quite comforting. Mm. I think it's because you can't fall out of bed, and I'm good at <laughs> is that. Is that a big problem? There's no fear of falling out anywhere. <laughs> F, F or F or feel of falling out um the um but but we get so we check into this um check into this airbnb um and about a day into us staying there uh, airbnb cancel the uh cancel the airbnb refund us the money oh no um and we're like oh shit um and basically uh what had happened what what happened was a um they couldn't get a license for the airbnb to to set up as an airbnb there were posters right, yeah. all over the building uh that we were in saying no airbnb no airbnb uh basically preventing people from renting their um their homes out to to us literally us um and obviously mm-hmm. in fukuoka we stick out a bit we're obviously in an airbnb we obviously don't live there long term uh but um so we're texting this bloke mike who um who probably isn't his real name, uh, and who, who basically on the Airbnb site, we were looking for somewhere, and it basically was very generic where it sort of, like, it showed you some very, like, it showed you, like, a picture of um, the kitchen a little bit and a little bit of one of the rooms, maybe a bed. Mm. Um, but it basically, it was basically <laughs> to get around Airbnb, um, anybody noticing or finding out or figuring out which building it was. And so we had to go through this uh, whole rig- right, yeah. whole rigmarole uh, about how to get to the Airbnb, how to check in, uh, what the codes were on the lockbox, and and getting in and stuff like that. So it was actually it was actually actually quite difficult. And anyway, so so halfway through this Airbnb uh, has been cancelled. We've been refunded the money, and I'm like, look, mate, I'll just send you the money um, through whatever payment app. 
And again, through mm-hmm. in massive broken English. So they sounded quite terse and quite short and quite to the point, going, you cannot stay in here without paying the money. Am I going, yeah, it wasn't my choice that you didn't register yourself as an Airbnb and you've taken my money. You know what I mean? All this stuff. Um, so, yeah. but, so basically they went, right, uh, how much did you pay? And I was like, oh, uh, I paid, you know, 300 quid or whatever. And they went, right, $300? Send $300 to this account. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to tell you we paid oh in pounds. <laughs> so I was like, we got a bit of a freebie there. So we got a, we got a much cheaper Airbnb simply because I didn't tell a guy that it was in dollars. Uh, which, you know, sneaky I think is... I, that is sneaky, but I, I'm like, you know what? I've spent a good hour and a half dealing with this mm. problem uh, out of my holiday. So uh, trying to, to download the app to pay the money and all this stuff. It just, oh, dear me. So, um, yeah. But it was all a bit I mean, dodgy and all a bit we weird, did. but it, Airbnb has been decimated in Japan and you'd be lucky to sort of get one. And if you have booked it anything, is, yeah. I've booked something for October uh, in Shibuya and I will uh, be very soon contacting the person um, outside of Airbnb and going, look, am I going to have this cancelled halfway through because you haven't registered your, um, your place? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I wouldn't use Airbnb in Japan at the moment. No. We did talk about this a few weeks ago, guys, mm. if you're wondering what happened. Basically, Airbnb had a crackdown uh, by the Japanese government, and it caused a lot of people to lose their properties and lots of cancellations. Um, if if I were you, I, pr- I probably would just avoid Airbnb until the just end of the now, year. Yeah. It should be doing well soon, mm. but it's just a bit dicey and a bit stressful, mm. and there's nothing worse than arriving in Tokyo jet-lagged and screwed and... Then discovering your property has just disappeared, um, your hotel, your bed for the night, whatever. So, yeah, I would avoid using Airbnb for now. Mm. Otherwise, you'll end up like Pete, <laughs> basically. Lost and on the streets. And nobody wants that. <laughs> nobody wants um, that. Two more points left, Mr. McDonaldson. Okay. Um, Korea felt more laid back, point number nine. Yeah. Korea felt a bit more laid back than Japan. I mean, it's not hard. In Japan, wherever you go, whatever you do, you are bombarded with rules and things you should do. There's a sign saying, don't use your phone. There's a sign saying, do this, do that. Everything you do, there seems to be signs telling you what what not to do and stuff. And it really does start to annoy you and get to you a little bit. Um, And also I noticed, this is a weird thing. Nearly every train ride I was on, there was always somebody who forgot their something, like their phone or their wallet. Like I was sitting next to a guy who stood up to get off, and just as he was getting off, I looked down and he'd forgotten his bloody wallet. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And I grabbed the wallet, ran up the carriage, gave it to him. And then the next day, somebody forgot their glasses next to me. The day after that, somebody forgot their phone uh, a few seats down. It just seems like people don't care much there. <laughs> I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I got this 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 vibe that uh, Korea's just a bit more laid back than Japan. Um, and, again, my friend that moved to Seoul seemed to say that was one of their favourite things about mm. uh, Korea over Japan, that it is a bit more laid back. There are less rules as well. And Definitely. People, less, I, I didn't feel that. People don't look at you as much with the sort of scathing eye as they do in Japan if you're breaking the rules a bit. Mm. I, I, again, I, I, I felt exactly the same. I, I didn't feel quite so, um, not hemmed in, but I, you know, I was able to um, whisper to my friend on the train and not feel like I was in a massive imposition and stuff like that. People just, just seemed, did, did seem mm. a bit more laid back. Or, or maybe it was just, you know, the, the systems are just, just aren't well, there. that's a to... good example. That's, that's a good example. I mean, when I'm on the train, underground train in Tokyo, talking to a friend, just standing next to me, even a little bit loudly people do start to look at you mm. uh, over their shoulders because, for the most part, people like to just sit in silence on subway trains in Tokyo. 
Um, you're not allowed to use your phone, obviously, uh, but you think it would be all right just to talk to someone, but you do get a lot of people stare at you and look at you, mm. even doing that, which oh, yeah, is really, uh, really yeah, annoying. I always sort of say, if you, if you ever need to know who your loudest friend... If you ever need to know who your loudest and clumsiest friends are, take them to Japan, because you will immediately find out, <laughs> because it's crazy. But yeah, it's, it's weird, like the, and also like the eating thing on, on trains. Like, not that I'd eat on, on, on either trains, and I'd probably never eat on, on the London Underground either, but... Um, uh, eating and drinking uh, mm. positively um, frowned upon, uh, in, in, you know, in a massive amount on the metro trains. But as soon as you get to Shinkansen, mm. uh, a bullet train, uh, they, they serve you food. Like they, they, you can buy little boxes and meals, and, and you can drink and do whatever. You can have a beer uh, at the end of your uh, right, long yeah. day. And it's weird how if you didn't know the rules, that would be actually quite annoying. I think just sort of go, well, how come you can do that there, but you can't do that there? <laughs> Maybe it's because like the yeah, metro just point, gets so actually. busy. Rule of thumb, don't eat or drink on most trains in Japan. But bullet trains, you can do pretty much whatever you want. Yeah. And every, I, always, I love sitting there on the bullet train, just looking at, like, you see these these guys in their 60s or 70s travelling alone with, like, a highball whiskey or something <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a can, just enjoying life. I really enjoy It's quite fun just watching them sit there, looking out the window, sipping their sake, watching the world go by. It's Excuse always me. a nice... A nice sight. <laughs> uh, last point is I found Japan is much more friendly towards foreign travellers in terms of uh, languages. Now, I did mention this earlier, but uh, in Japan, they've really pushed hard on having English and even Chinese everywhere mm. uh, at the moment. So that if you do come here, you go into a restaurant, it's never an issue. Even if there's nobody that speaks English, the menus will still be in English or there's pictures you can point to and whatnot. Whereas in Korea, that did feel like... It was a lot more problematic at times. In restaurants, there were some menus that had no pictures or no English, and I just, I had to, I just had to sort of smile and play charades mm. and wave my hands around a little bit. Um, that felt like a problem. Combined with Google Maps not working that well, there was a few times that it was a little bit stressful being in Seoul. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's not a major issue. But, yeah, that's one thing I noticed. Japan is much better equipped for foreign travellers. Uh, and I think if you come to Japan, you'll be surprised at how easy it is to get around without knowing a single word of Japanese, as Pete Donaldson will contest to. Indeed. Most times. With my heroi forehead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my famous heroi forehead, forehead. My wide forehead. Man. I've been a bit of a yes man this week, but if you make excellent points, it's supposed Chris, to be you know. devil's advocate. All right. I mean, what did I write devil's down? Donaldson. So, so I wrote down a couple of things as a, as a quicker digest. Um, uh, people in Seoul appear, appear to be obsessed with the film Leon. Everybody has a t-shirt with the film <laughs> really? Leon on it. Yeah. Everybody has um, uh, like a Leon branded t-shirt or jumper. It seems to be a big thing, but I don't know why in 2018 everyone's That's obsessed awesome. with Leon. Um... The 7-Elevens. I'm not uh, going to complain about that. <laughs> massively. Um, the, the, again, the smoking, um, there's, there's no smoking in bars, but every bar yeah, will have a point. smoking pod where it'll just be a little kind of um, shower cubicle, basically, where you can go and have, have a little yeah, uh, yeah. cigarette. Uh, if you buy a uh, drink, uh, the straws are flat rather than round, and I don't really understand. The straws are weird and mm, flat, and it's really that. hard to drink stuff. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, very little chicken or bun action in the 7-Elevens, <laughs> and it's very upsetting. And there, that was my career, my review of Korea, <laughs> compared to Japan. Pete was in Korea a week, and that was all he got <laughs> after all that time. We're obsessed with Leon. Three or four observations. <laughs> but, I mean, in summary, though, could you live in Korea? I mean, if you had to choose between living between Korea and Japan, which one would you live in? I think I would probably go a bit more delicious. I'd, I'd go delightfully mad in Japan. 
but it would be a delight to go mad in Japan. Uh, but I think I love I'd the probably, way you nearly said deliciously, <laughs> deliciously mad. Deliciously mad. Deliciously. I'd be mad. I'd be so much more eccentric, and I'd so not get called out on it <laughs> like some expats um, find themselves. But I would be, you know, I'd turn turn it up to eleven. I'd go crazy. Um, but um, I think I'd be a lot more mm. lonely in in Japan. Um, I think um, yeah. I'd find it much harder to make friends. Um, but I think uh, in Korea, I think maybe I'd find it a bit more of a halfway house between the West and the East. And I could always visit Japan really That's easily. A good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I, I came away thinking, oh, I could have lived quite happily in Korea had things gone differently mm. and I not got the job teaching on their Japan Exchange teaching programme. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have probably enjoyed living in Korea. And I think it's a very livable, fun place. And all my friends that live there love it. They seem to really enjoy it. Um, So I think I could definitely live there. My overall feeling, though, is Japan is more attractive to me still because it's got that kind of... It feels a bit more exotic Mm. and alien from the West. As you just said, Korea's a bit of a halfway house. But Japan feels like it's got this kind of odd, distinct identity that feels... A little bit more alien because it was isolated until the eighteen sixties and whatnot. I do think it's a little bit more unique. Um, it's got that Galapagos syndrome to it, uh, and that's ultimately why I did choose living in Japan six years ago. When I had to, I, was, I literally it was a phone call away. I had to decide uh, which one to live in, and yeah, I, I don't regret that decision at all. But uh, yes, it was interesting. Wondering what if, what could have been. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think Japan was a solid choice for me, and I stand by that. And also, you know, growing up in the 90s, it was always Japan, wasn't it? Nintendo, Sony, Pokemon, Tamagotchis. It was all. It was always about Japan. Yeah. Where, so it was always that kind of fascination for me. Whereas now, I guess it's... Um, where I guess now, I suppose the South Korean brands are actually quite big. And obviously the Chinese ones are gigantic as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's turning around. I mean, I don't feel like... Korean culture has permeated the West as much as Japanese culture did. But that said, K-pop is everywhere now. K-pop is massive the world over. Uh, So yeah, the tables have slightly turned, I think, there. So it'll be quite interesting to see in the long run which one younger folks gravitate towards in the coming decades and stuff. But I guess with the Olympics shortly upon us, Mm. Japan is going to have a lot of eyes on it. I think that's going to change massively. The the Olympics is going to change Japan, I think, possibly forever. 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 Forever, <laughs> like, like it did the last time. But uh, what do you think, guys? Have you, If you're somebody who has lived or is living in Korea, uh, it'd be great to hear your thoughts mm. on what we got right, what we didn't get right. Send your thoughts to us at abroadjapanpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week answering your questions. Because we've been away the last few weeks, we've got a massive pile-up of awesome questions sent in by you guys, and we're going to sit down and tackle them for a good 45 minutes or so. So, yes, but for now... Wherever you might be out there in the big wide world, have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Fare thee well. Bye. I can't remember what's, a goodbye. What's goodbye in, in Korean? I think it's just Annyeong again. What's goodbye? Annyeong has it all?